What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Ask LFC podcast. My name is Harrison Gilman. Good to be here with you guys. Sitting down today with Mike Moses. Good to be heard by everyone. And good to know that you're out there. I love to hear your your interactions with the podcast. A couple of you were like, hey, man, where'd it go? When we did that little break this summer, but uh, but we have been back now for a while. Harrison, you and I are sitting in the Lake Forest Church green room, and we, we're staring at our worship planning board, and what fun fact did we just look ahead at? We just realized that Halloween, October 31st, falls on a Sunday this year, so we're going to be... Uh, in church together on Halloween, and we're gonna do some a couple little fun things. We have to have fun with that. I am teaching that Sunday morning. We did recognize that a long time ago, um, and noted it. But we have not. We don't yet have any ideas, serious and or theological, biblical. So please, please, ideate, friends. Come up with an idea. What what should a church with our personality? Okay, not a normal church with our personality do in gathered worship of God's people on Sunday, October 31st. Uh, we would love to hear from you. Just off the top of my head, I kind of feel like you should teach your sermon in like a Star Wars Jedi robe <laughs> outfit. Because, I mean, it feels, it's almost, you know, it's almost monkish looking mm-hmm. other than the lightsaber. Mm-hmm. Um just throwing that out there. So if that happens, I claim credit on that idea. <laughs> One of the ways uh, in our early years, I called us a grace-oriented church. Now we, we say grace and truth of Jesus because that's what's said in John chapter 1. But in the early years, I emphasized that we were a grace-oriented church in the late 90s when we started um, because there was um, a lot of the opposite that I had encountered in biblical Christianity. And one of the ways in the first couple of years that I made sure to make clear what kind of church we are and and make sure that no true to the bone legalistic Christians who would spy out other people's freedom and and be a critiquer of other people's freedom in Christ. One of the ways that I made sure that they didn't stick at Lake Forest was always announcing what Halloween costumes my boys would wear and that we were going to go trick-or-treating and that we would never be a trunk-or-treat church because what a time to be in your neighborhood loving on your neighbors, uh, being relational. So that's like our favorite, I, I mean, not favorite, uh, but it is so much fun in our neighborhood, in our community, walking around trick-or-treating and seeing all your neighbors. And it's just a, it's a party out there. I'm, so I'm glad for that. I'm glad that we, that we have our folks get out um, into the community. I know I've, I have young kids and, and taking them out trick-or-treating in our neighborhood is, is super fun. So yes, it's time for the art of neighboring as we called a series that's, two that's years right. ago. That's right. Hey, in today's episode, we're going to do two things. We are going to have a visit from our minister, Cami Howard. Uh, I want to hear about something that she leads, uh, several times a year called dog days, days alone with God. It's, it's honestly tutoring very busy, distracted people in how to encounter the, the mystical, honestly, uh, almost medieval side of the Christian faith, which is being alone with God purposefully. Uh, but that's going to be at the end of today's podcast. Up front, a man who evidences both uh, many of the uh, aspects of our Christian faith, including the mystical, I want to talk about the Apostle Paul for a little bit. And so we'll just start there, Harrison. We uh, we reached 
his conversion last Sunday in a whole year in the whole Bible. And one sermon is not quite enough to say all that there is about the Apostle Paul, nor is the first half of this podcast. But I thought I'd, I'd just offer a little bit more uh, detail about him, uh, maybe a few more insights into that passage, if it's helpful. Because, uh, I mean, when you come down to it, the, the, uh, it's, it's hard to imagine anyone at, other than Jesus himself having the greatest influence on the development of Christianity. Uh, there's really no one who's had more influence on my faith other than Jesus than Paul mm-hmm. through my immersion in the New Testament and then as a pastor and then as a church planting pastor and then as a pastor of a church planting church looking to Paul as the touchstone as an apostle. Um, I mean, he's the author of 13 of the New Testament books. He's the dominant figure for most of the book of Acts, which chronicles the movement beginning of the way of Jesus. Uh, And he's the main player on the stage leading the church opposite Peter uh, for those number of years after Jesus ascends back into heaven. And so for me, he's been a model of ministry, a pattern to to follow. Um, He's the inspired author. You think those 13 books in the New Testament, they shape all of our theology, all of our understanding of the gospel, its depth, its height, its length, its breadth. Think of all the different ways he describes the the gospel in our faith. And really, in many ways, those of us who are biblical Christians, um, he is the one we follow as he follows Christ. If you remember, he said, follow me as I follow Christ. Um, I wanted to offer for those of you looking for things to read, uh, to supplement the Bible in a year, three interesting books to me about Paul and his teaching. My favorite, oh, Harrison, I just looked in the cover, uh, and I read this book in 1992, which was my second year in seminary, and it's called Paul Colon, Apostle of the Heart Set Free by F.F. Bruce. It, our uh, listeners to our podcast are generally a little more biblically educated than your average bear, and so if, if you know the name N.T. Wright today as the foremost biblical scholar, recognized as the foremost New Testament scholar, uh, in the mid to late um, 20th century, F.F. F. Bruce was the same. Hmm. And they, they were both British. we got to get, get that together, Americans. Um, <laughs> they're both British, and F.F. F. Bruce was this, just this towering New Testament scholar. And this book is considered kind of his magnum opus. It's both at the scholarly level, so I was reading it in graduate school, but um, it has been a gift to serious students of the New Testament. Not it, It's accessible. And again, it's Paul, Apostle of the Heart Set Free by F.F. F. Bruce. And here are a couple of things that... So I, I always write, when I start to read a book, I write my name in the inside cover and what year it is I'm reading it, and sometimes mm. where. Yeah. So it says, Mike V. Moses, 1992 Fuller Seminary. And, and then... I wrote below it, Reverend Dr. Mike V. Moses, June 2012, sabbatical trip in the footsteps of Paul in Greece. Hmm. So I took this book back with me in 2012 when my family and I, were, I, I received a grant from the Lilly Foundation to, to do several things. 
in the footsteps of Paul, but one of those is we took a scholarly trip in the footsteps of Paul through all the archaeological ruins, ruins of Paul's missionary mm. journeys. And so here are just a few little notes that I took out of this book, and, and I wrote them in the jacket liner, uh, number uh, quotes from F.F. F. Bruce. Here's the first one. Paul's greatest contribution was good news of free grace. Acceptance by God plus, I like this this formula, religion is grace, ethics is gratitude. That That's that, that's F.F. F. Bruce's distillation of Paul's teaching hmm. through the prism hmm. of the gospel, that religion is grace and ethics is gratitude. Uh, he, he, he has a whole chapter on Paul's mysticism that was really enlightening to me, and then I just started making notes. Is this... Our model for Lake Forest Church planting. Paul appoints leaders, pastors, elders, overseers, um, which is what now we do. Every We have now started a number of new churches, and we appoint the pastor there, like Paul appointed Timothy, uh, and then elders. And then there's a chapter on Paul and women. So that's Paul, Apostle of the Heart Set Free, F.F. Bruce. This, this is, there may have been something written recently, but this is, this would is an explication of New Testament theology as well as a look at Paul's life and teachings. A second book that might be interesting to some of you is What Paul Really Said About Women by John Bristow. Uh, And here's the subtitle, An Apostle's Liberating Views on Equality in Marriage, Leadership, and Love. And here are the chapter titles. Where the idea that women are inferior to men really began. And then chapter 2, new roles for husbands and wives. Chapter 3, women as leaders in the church. Chapter 4, educating women. Uh, Chapter 6, is celibacy holy? And then chapter 7, the slandered apostle. It has become uh, normal in a lot of critical theological circles that that do not hold the authority of the New Testament. To think of Paul as a misogynist in this book really shows how he was the opposite and how the gospel and the practice in the New Testament, for example, when Paul speaks of women praying and prophesying in the worship service in Corinth as a normal thing, uh, was actually, uh, he, he, the, the gospel was liberating for women. Hmm. And then this last one is an IVP book, Hard Sayings of Paul by Manfred Brauch, B-R-A-U-C-H. It's an InterVarsity Press book, and it's The Hard Sayings of Paul, and there's an introduction, and then it's, it's uh, you know, out of some of his writings in Romans, ask, looking at the question, is God wrathful? Looking at, um, uh, is God unjust? Looking at, what does it mean to submit to the government? That he, what does it mean handing someone over to Satan, which is a, a phrase of Paul's. Um, oh, gosh, there's 48. I'm not even going to <laughs> read them. So... Uh, some of you, it, it's just a handy book to have. So every now and then, when I'm teaching through the uh, one of the epistles, I'll just see if it's treated here in this book. So I thought that might be helpful. And then just a, a little more background on Paul Harrison. You you actually received a an undergraduate Christian education in university. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you recall of thinking about Paul or? Did, uh, how much of your New Testament courses were focused there? Yeah, no, I had a handful. Um, I had a handful of them. I had, you know, some 
biblical survey courses and I had a couple of courses that were direct uh, just a whole semester of a book study of a few of Paul's uh, epistles. Um, and I think, I mean, looking back, the main thing that stands out um, to me about Paul is how you see this so often throughout the Bible. And I've probably mentioned it before in this podcast, but he's the number one example of the his past and his background uh, made him really the a uniquely perfect person to be the carrier of that exact message you're talking about that, yes. that that the message of grace grace alone and he can point to himself and say yes. as far as you could be from it uh i thought i was following god but i was literally i was literally persecuting christ i was i was enemy number 1 and for for him to be the person that god chose to carry out this mission i think just adds such a cool, unique level to all of it because it just gives everything that he says so much more, uh, power. He's not, he's not the guy that, that should have been the person leading the church. (laughs) You know, it should have, it (laughs) should, it should have been, uh, should have been John or something. It should have been, it should have been one of these guys that was Jesus right hand man, like stayed faithful. John who stayed faithful. He was at the, the foot of the cross. Yes. Yeah. So, but that's not who it was, and I just think that's so interesting and and, and intentional uh, because it gives hope to all of us where we're coming from to say mm-hmm. it doesn't matter if you are so far you're you're literally attacking the gospel. That's the person who God looked at and said, "That's my dude right there." <laughs> so, and as I mentioned briefly, his conversion story is told three different times in the Book of Acts, and then Paul alludes to it throughout his writings, and, and then I'll read you a, a, a bit of a full uh, moment where he reflects on it later in his life in one of his books. Um, but that just shows the importance of conversion and its importance for us. Uh, and part of it is such a unique conversion because he was such a unique individual. Um, he was by birth a Jewish man, by conviction a Pharisee, which was part of Judaism, which was the most legalistic, uh, you're, you are right with Yahweh through your, you, you, your ethics are should as opposed to gratitude for grace. They, they, uh, um, he was a Roman by citizenship. By education, he had a Greek mind. It was Greek. And then by grace, of course, he became a, a, a Christian. Um, Saul's home, just a little background on him briefly, was Tarsus, so not Jerusalem. Tarsus was a city of the Roman province called Asia Minor. Uh, Today it would be on the border of Syria and Turkey, which has been much in the news. And in those days, Tarsus was a distinguished city. It was mostly distinguished for its university. It was one of the three great universities in the ancient world. Uh, The other two greatest universities were in Athens, Greece, and Alexandria, Egypt. It was kind of like Harvard-Yale-Princeton deal. Um, and it was on the Sidonis River, so it was a shipping port in and out of the Mediterranean. It had a harbor, uh, and it was a bustling cosmopolitan city. And Saul's father was a Roman citizen and a Jewish man. We don't know how that happened. And he passed on both of those priceless assets uh, of Judaism and Roman citizenship to his son. Um, his father probably also was a Pharisee, and, uh, and so Paul inherited that from him 
as well. Now, in keeping with uh, Jewish tradition, every young boy had to learn a trade. And young Saul was taught to weave cloth out of black goat's hair. That was what they used in this part of the ancient world. And fashion that goat's hair into strips uh, that could be assembled, sewn together to make tents. And that was a common industry in Tarsus. So that was not odd that he was a tent maker uh, uh, as his learned trade. Now at about 13 is when a Jewish boy became officially a son of the law of God. And at that point, Saul would have been packed off to Jerusalem. And we know that because he says later that he studied under Gamaliel. Uh, This is studying Judaism at the highest level. Uh, Gamaliel, there's a lot about him. Like this, all the history corresponds here. There's a lot in contemporary history at that time about Gamaliel. He was elevated, revered, the, the highest teacher. In fact, there are direct quotes from other writers of that time saying that actually caught, they referred to Gamaliel as the beauty of the law himself, that he so embodied it and taught it so beautifully. So Saul sat under his teaching. That would have included years of memorizing the Old Testament, years of intense question and answer, arguing and debating back and forth on the law of the Old Testament. So he was an expert. Um, it's unlikely that while he was studying in Jerusalem, he ever met Jesus face to face. He certainly would have mentioned that. Or, or sort of saw him teach from a distance. Uh, and then it's likely that maybe before Jesus actually began his ministry, Paul might have finished his education and returned back to Tarsus. And, but then by the time we get to Acts chapter 8 and 9, he's back in Jerusalem, and he's agitated, he's angry, he's persecuting the church um, uh, at that point in time. Um, and then, of course, there's the conversion story that we covered on Sunday, and, and we won't repeat that, but it's, it's, it's a divine, uh, uh, it's, a, it's a conversion that is, is more clear than sometimes mine or yours, Harrison, because mine involved my family of origin emphasis, being raised in the church, and I, had, I did have a moment uh, at the age of 12 when I felt moved in my heart to put my faith verbally in Jesus as Lord and Savior. But Paul's is so clear that what is true of all salvation is that that is election by a sovereign God, and it's his initiative and his initiative alone. And when Paul is blinded by the light of Jesus, it is clear that it's the initiative of God reaching out and choosing him divinely. Sorry, we experience it as our choosing of the Lord, and there's a mystery there, but it is it is His election. Well, let me finish here, and, and I want to read to you what Paul wrote in First Timothy one about his own. First Timothy one, starting with verse twelve, he, he here's he looks back at his own conversion story. Quote: I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who has strengthened me. Because he considered me faithful, putting me into service, even though I was formerly a blasphemer and a persecutor and a violent aggressor. Yet I was shown mercy because I acted ignorantly in unbelief. And the grace of our Lord was more than abundant with the faith and love which are found in Christ Jesus. It is a trustworthy statement deserving full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners 
among whom I am foremost of all. Yet for this reason I found mercy, so that in me as the foremost, Jesus Christ might demonstrate his perfect patience as an example for those who would believe in him for eternal life. Now to the King, eternal, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. That's his testimony. That's the internal testimony of Paul <clears throat> after the external of what happened to him on the road to Damascus in Acts chapter 9. So that's a little bit more about Paul. And uh, I, if you're provoked to grab one of those books, I'd love to know anything that you get out of it, friends. Awesome. Well, <clears throat> Mike, as you said, uh, we're having Cami uh, Howard jump in with us here in just a moment. And she has... Uh, she has really started to perfect a really cool craft and practice and has shared that with a bunch of the ladies of our church. So we're going to be right back with Cammie Howard. Cammie, welcome. How are you today? I'm doing great. Thank you, Mike. Thanks for having me on here. Yes. Uh, Cammie has been our minister to women and youth for uh, quite a long time now. Uh, How long have you been on our ministerial staff now? On staff, I've been here about 12 years. 12 years, my goodness. I love doing uh, ministry in partnership with you, Cammie. Thank you, Mike. Yeah. Well, we're here to talk about something very specific. Um, Twice a semester, you offer something called Dog Days for Women, D-A-W-G, and in the last year or so, it always fills up. Um, uh, and it's a day alone with God, and you're mentoring, you're, you're providing a, the experience in the moment, but also mentoring people in how to, how to find the gear, an extra gear that most people don't know they have, which is uh, time in solitude and silence, simply alone with the presence of God through the Holy Spirit. Um, mediated through meditating on his word and other things and so before we get to hearing about what that's like and what was the response of women who just did that under your leadership a a week or so ago um how did this become a part of your own walk with christ well it was about i'm thinking 23 years ago which i was i guess six years old at the time um just kidding but i was on staff at another church in South Charlotte, and I had basically hit a wall and was just not doing well. Um, ministry had become my life. I was single then and just and not in a great place. And so the pastor of the church and the executive pastor, who were both friends of mine, came into my office and sat down with me and said, we want to give you a gift. We're sending you to Blowing Rock for three days for you to just go and hear from God. We've canceled your meetings so you can go anytime. So I was basically sent at that point. I tell people, don't wait till that has to happen. But I went away um, to Blowing Rock. I got to my room. There was no TV. I was, I'm a quite the extrovert. So this was the first time I'd really? ever. Yeah. yeah. And this was the first time I'd ever done anything like this. So it took me a while to kind of settle in. Um, took my guitar did some praise music, and just allowed God to speak to me. And it was life-changing, completely life-changing, the way that I heard from God, 
what God said to me about who I was and my value. And after that, I went from totally weirded out by it to this is something that I need to do the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. Did, did they give you any gentle or firm guidance in how to structure that time so it didn't become wasteful or staring at the wall or out stuffing activity into it? They actually didn't. It really was. so interesting. It really was just go and hear from God. And I think that honestly for that season, that's what made it so great that I didn't have a bunch of direction because I would fill up my time. Mm -hmm. Normally I would have brought, you know, 10 books that have been sitting on my side table and just looked at those. But when I was stripped, basically, of all the things, that's how God spoke to me that time. And so now I, I know, since you've come, come on our staff, but really back when uh, we were in the interview process with you, you, you kind of looked at us and said, hey, an- I don't remember how you said it, but uh, you basically said a, a non-negotiable for me as an employee is I will need to be granted the the ability to go away uh, for, I don't know what you call your personal retreat day. Do you call it a dog day? Maybe you do now, but. Yeah, I do now, but. Yep, yeah, you said once a, once a month. Has that your been your habit ever since? That's what I did. Um, I would go away once a month at that season in my life. Um, and now I go away four times a year to a place called the Well of Mercy, um, and I'll spend 48 hours there. And it is a lifeline for me. And people will say, oh, you know, that's great. You've got this discipline. I'm like, no, you have to understand. I have to do this. My husband will, I mean, he knows that I'm better when I come back. So he might shoo me out of the door here and there. Just kidding. But that has been, again, especially being in ministry, um, for me, even going that often has been um, gas to my tank. And how, I'm sure you've fallen into a rhythm for those times. How do you struck and and one of the, just to note uh we just talked about the apostle paul on sunday and i just right. gave more outline of his life not only was paul this incredible leader and this vigor this this masterful preacher that could gather crowds and this um uh apostle this apostolic entrepreneurial appoint leaders elsewhere, and then the thing keeps going after he leaves. Not only was he all that, he was also a bit of a mystic. He gives us glimpses at times that he, uh, part of his own rhythms with, uh, as, follower, as a follower of Jesus, was times alone in prayer where he would give space. And he even recounts a vision that he had at one, in one of those moments. So this is something that goes back even to the origins of our faith and to Jesus, who um, would spend this massive for the amount of times, it's, number of times it's mentioned in the Gospels that Jesus withdrew to a quiet place to pray to his heavenly Father. Um, for the number of times it's mentioned, we know it was such a, a, a rigorous habit in Jesus' life as well. How, what rhythm uh, or structure, or however fluid it is, right? Do you have you fallen into with those forty-eight hours at Well of Mercy? Well, let me first say just to to piggyback on what you said, is the reason why I do this is because Jesus modeled it. Okay. As you're saying, you know, Mark 135 says, very early in the morning, which I 
take that out of my Bible because I'm not a morning person. (laughs) Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, he left his house, and he went to a solitary place where he prayed. Mm -hmm. And I love the second part of that, the next verse where it says, um, Simon and all his companions went and found Jesus, and they said, everyone is looking for you. <laughs> so he, here he is trying to get away, mm-hmm. but there's still all the needs of people. And that's how it is with us. I mean, there's never going to be a great time. There really isn't. Um, so for my times alone, there's a, the rhythm is, you know, at the very beginning of my time, I just have a time of release, you know, asking the question, where am I? Where am I with the Lord? Um, and that was one of the first questions, you know, in Genesis, asked Adam, where are you? And God knew. So for me, I look at that as, you know, where am I right now? Um, in order to know where to go, I want to know where I am. And so I will spend time really at the beginning of every time just pouring out my heart to God. Hmm. Um, and just once I get all that out, then I'm able to focus a little more and just let go. Because we always come in to that time with all our things, and we can be very distracted. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's the first thing I do. I, I really, Cammy, I'm struck that um, that is a way to to be congruent with the fact that uh, what we are in is a relationship with God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And what do you do with someone whom you're in intimate relationship with when you get time alone with them? You, you catch up. Right. You say, here's where I am right now. Angie and I just had a reunion weekend in the mountains before Sunday with some of our closest uh, college friends. And we just very personally, how are you doing? Here's how I'm doing. Mm-hmm. And so that's a wonderful way, Cammie, of externalizing that this is a relationship. I am relating to a person, though, though the person is spirit. I am relating to a person. And what, then, then where does that flow? Well, it, you know, I, I told the ladies last week on our dog day, it looks different every time. I try not to come in with huge expectations of an aha moment. Mm-hmm. I may go in and think, this is why I'm doing this today. And the Lord will take me on a different journey. Mm-hmm. So I think, um, you know, one of the parts of my time away is listening. God, what do you want for me during this time? Sometimes it's, sometimes it's a nap. Other times it's just, you know, looking through a book in the Bible. It can be lots of different things, but I spend time always reading scripture um, and try not to bring a bunch of other books because I've found those can be a little more of a distraction to me personally. Um, And just always, again, looking at scripture, making sure that's where my focus is, and then to figure out what is God saying to me through that. How do you select that scripture? to focus on because there's the whole Bible. Right, correct. (laughs) Well, it's great because this year we've been reading through the Bible in a year here at Lake Forest. So Mm -hmm. um, I always take that with me this past year and we'll catch up on that reading for the week and focus on that. And then other times just in my regular devotional life with the Lord, if I'm going through a book of the Bible, I'm going through James or whatever, then I will spend time going through that book as well while okay. I'm there. Okay. Um, so that's sort of being hospitable. I think I've spoken about this before. You just choose to be hospitable with either where the church happens to be in God's Word, and you're like, well, right. then I'm going to assume the Holy Spirit has that for me, 
or, or by some other means. And anything else about that that time? Um, had, yeah. Well, I think that um, one of the things I do at the end of the time, each time I go away, um, and we actually do this on Dog Day as well at the end of the day, is I write a letter from God to me. Really? So I will just sit there and say, and it says, Dear Cammy," <laughs> and just listen to what God says about me. And it has been um, transformative because I won't even go in thinking, God's going to say whatever he is, but it'll usually start with, you are loved, you are chosen. And God will speak to me um, specifically about maybe some of the lies that I've believed about myself, and he'll speak his truth and his love to me through that time. Um, And so that's how I end it. And we ended Dog Day that way last week, and we, we typically do at the end of Dog Day. And one lady shared afterwards, she said, I have never... I do not think of a time that I've ever heard from God until today. Wow. Cammie, that, I've never tried on that practice. I'm not sure if we've talked about this that specifically before. What a powerful and practical way to let the Holy Spirit speak through your own spirit. Um, wow. Well, it, so now... You just had a, a DAWG day, Day Alone with God, and there's another one coming up. Um, w- do you essentially truncate your 48-hour rhythm into that several hours rhythm? And you always have it on a house on Lake Norman, typically, yes. that has a lot of space to spread out on verandas and porches and docks and things. Or Is it essentially that rhythm that you just described for yourself that you've you lead people, women through for a few hours? Yes, it's um, it's what I would consider a mini retreat. Mm-hmm. We get together in the morning, and the women, I'll ask every time, um, how do you come into this time? Why are you here? Because just that question will reveal a lot of uh, where women are. And then I'll do a little teaching on solitude and the practice of it and why we do it. And then... I will send women out for two hours alone. They'll have... Um, Which sh- I know when we've done this with staff, a large number of our staff were terrified Correct. when we told them, oh, it's going to be two hours right. by yourself. Right, exactly. Um, so, and I've also found what's so cool is that when they come back in from that, nine times out of ten, the women will say, well, that time just flew by. Hmm. And so we'll do that. We'll come in. We'll all have lunch together. And that's a great time just to spend the time together. Then we do a teeny bit more check-in, and then I'll send them back out for another two hours. And then we come back in at the end of the day and spend about 45 minutes sharing about what our time was like that day. There's usually a lot of tears, um, a lot of breakthroughs. And the reason why is because when we're silent before God, when we try to put away the distractions of the world, we set aside this time. That's when God speaks to us. Can he speak to us in every day when we're walking around? Yes, he can. But in the quietness, that's when I have had the biggest revelations, I think, in my life. Henry Nouwen says, solitude is the furnace of transformation. And I love that because I really do and have seen in my life that's, that that is what takes place. 
-hmm. So this practice of dog days, which we've been doing, uh, who knows, 10 years here. Mm -hmm. um, I told the ladies last week it started and there would be eight women max um, one time a semester. And then through the years, we've um, added another day. And I'm sorry, two days in the fall, two days in the spring, because more women wanted it than there were spots available. So now take 20 people, it'll fill up. And it is, as you know, Mike, it's yes. one of my absolute yes. favorite things that I, I get know. to do. I know. And you always, uh, or you often, and you did this time, you texted me a picture uh, of uh, a lot of the women as they were out alone, and you kind of had a panorama, and it just did my shepherd's heart good and made me grateful for your leadership in people's lives. Um, one very practical issue that a ministry partner who is trying to grow in prayer recently met with me and asked me about, which is, okay, but yes, there are. Um, what did you? What was that part with Jesus? The the apostles came, the disciples came, and they said, "So many people are looking yeah, for you." Yeah, exactly. So there's so many things looking for me when I pull away into a time of solitude to be alone with the Lord. And they come to my mind as distractions. And something I've learned from Henry Nowen teaches how to do this and others is I keep a piece of paper beside me when I'm going into one of these times. And any distraction that comes to my mind, instead of like, dang it, I'm so I'm such a terrible person at prayer. I'm distracted again. Henry Nowen says that's the opposite thing to do. Be gentle with it. Hmm. And then just write it down on the side. So that if it's something you need to remember later, it's there. Or it might as your list grows longer and longer, might reveal even mm -hmm. more of what's in occupying your heart and mind. And so yes. just every time a distraction comes, just notice it, welcome it, record it, and, mm -hmm. and return. Um, let me finish with this. I'm, I, uh, I think it's amazing, Cammie. I, I think this was a latent spiritual strength of yours when your friends strongly suggested, hey, you're in danger emotionally and spiritually, mm. get away. It shows that it was a latent strength in your walk with Christ that you were able to do that uh, intuitively and not waste that time or or, or freak out. And uh, I'm, I structure my time a little bit more clearly. And, uh, and something I could offer to you listeners I've used for years this retreat, uh, one day or half day retreat guide. It's called A Guide to Prayer for All God's People. And it's by Upper Room Press. And it's something you can use as daily, weekly devotions. But the back part of the book gives uh, half day or one day retreat models. And there's one for every month. And it gives a few focusing scripture a few selected readings. So it's not reading a book, right? Like you said, I'm not going to take right. five books, but a few quotes to add to reflection on Scripture. And then just a cycle of prayer, just being silent, and then meditation on Scripture, meditation on the take a walk, meditation on the, the sayings. Uh, and I just record reflections in my journal to the Lord mm -hmm. as I meditate on the Scriptures over and over for 30, 40 minutes. And then as I meditate on the readings. I'll just record reflections that may be for me and then close with silent prayer. So 
if that might be helpful structure for some of you who would like to try this on, and they give detailed instruction for how to use that time. It's called A Guide to Prayer for All God's People by Upper Room Press. Cammie, thank you for joining us. Yes, thank you for having me. All right, we'll talk to you all next time. Bye. Bye.